Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm here to invite you to become a friend of The Great Indoors because our insiders enjoy many benefits from ad-free listening, bonus episodes, we have exclusive interviews, we also have a weekly newsletter, as well as live webinars where we all meet and, well, hang out and chat. For less than a pound a week, you can show your love, support and appreciation for the show, and we promise to put your subscription towards improving the podcast, creating more content, and, well, just generally loving our beautiful community. To find out more and to start enjoying the benefits today, visit thegreatindoorspodcast.com. That's right. Right, and you also get priority on any interior design dilemmas you send in for our monthly style surgery, which is handy, as that's what we're discussing today. And it's always a packed show, so, um, well, look, before we get straight into it, I've got a confession to make. Can you hear anything weird about my voice? Well, I've I got to say that we, <laughs> we delayed recording this week's episode because when we were meant to do it, you were really very not well, and so I was expecting to hear you sounding a bit like someone, you know, a heavy smoker in recovery yeah, because of the I cough. And have. I'm getting a bit of that. But I'm I'm also getting I don't know, you don't, you sound a bit off. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically today is the first day I'm trying out some braces. I've got some braces braces in. But I've got some got braces in. <laughs> absolutely fine with them and then just recording that bit of script i'm like oh, script script but I'm, I'm sorry can we just row back a bit i mean aside from the fact you know i guess if this is your first few days you'll get used to it but i have never i mean what is the matter with your teeth is this is a complete vanity project <laughs> I, have, I have never looked at you and thought blimey she wants to sort her teeth out oh that's so kind of you to say didn't have braces as a kid i had really straight teeth as a kid but what's happened which i think is quite common in my later years oh they're on the move well, that does happen. but Yeah, it does happen. And I, well, actually, my bottom teeth have always been really crooked and I've been fine with that. But it's when the top teeth that you really see when you smile have started moving. And it's funny, it's sort of like been bothering me for a while. And I actually went for an appointment before COVID lockdowns about having a brace. And then the pandemic happened and I just never got round to it. 
And then, yeah, the other day, it was just some pictures came in. I did a photo shoot and there I am grinning away. And the first thing I thought was like, oh my God, my teeth are so wonky. But it's interesting, you've never noticed. Is this, is this, as we come to the end of the year, I think we did a show at the beginning of the year where we talked about your vision board and global domination. <laughs> is having a Hollywood smile, is this part of the global domination? Are we going to be recording next year with the backdrop is Malibu Beach and Sophie with her Hollywood smile? Well, that's the weird thing, Kate. It's going to take years. So I've got these like plastic liners, little plastic trays, yeah, that go on the top and the bottom. And I have to wear them for 22 out of 24 hours I know oh it's God. quite a commitment and it's going to take a year I do more I do more eating and drinking than two hours a day how's that going to work <laughs> but it's interesting because I'm just really conscious Ooh, of some words really conscious. sound I'm just really conscious yes. of how it's making me sound so yeah if anybody's listening and thinking well it's that combined with the horrific cough at forward slash chest infection I've had for the last week. I'm 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 sorry listeners if you're not if you're not used to my normal, beautiful dulcet tones. I'm all a bit crackly and a bit lispy. <laughs> yeah, well I mean I, you know it's one of those things, isn't it? You you have to do what makes you happy. And we always say that you know, you, you notice, one notices one's flaws more than anyone else. You know, I only see the scar on my neck when I look in the mirror and people tell me all the time they never mm. see it. Um, I have never looked at you. I mean, the trouble is now by announcing it to what do we get? A hundred thousand listeners a month or something? <laughs> everybody, gonna... everybody is now going to be scrolling through your Instagram, trying to find a picture of you smiling and zooming oh, in. No, going, don't, don't, don't look at to do that. You know, speaking as someone with, you know, who's had grey hair for nearly 20 years, I think you should be growing old disgracefully. Haggly teeth and all. Haggly teeth and all. (laughs) You know, I really don't think you've got haggly teeth. Anyhow, enough of this Vanity Beauty podcast. Shall we do some of these dear listeners design dilemmas? Oh, yes. Oh, we got a voice note. So first up, we have Sarah, who has colour drenched her bedroom, as per an earlier episode, but she's unsure where to go next. Let's listen. Hi Sophie and Kate, hope you are well. We have recently acquired an Edwardian property and I decided this was the time for me to bring my love of colour to life. I ended up painting the main bedroom in Parma Grey by Farron Ball, which is a blue. It's not grey, even though it says grey in the name, but it's not, it's blue. And so colour drenched the room, painted walls, ceiling, woodwork in it. But now I'm thinking, do I need to pare back on everything else? Our bedroom furniture is classic and I would still like to have the rest of the room quite classic and timeless but also with a touch of modern and playful but I don't know what to do. Do I continue to inject color? Is that okay? Do I need to go very minimal? I'm I'm now a bit uncertain on where to go from here so any help or ideas would be very much appreciated. Thank you for all that you do. I love listening to the podcast. It's an enormous source of joy. Well, I think we can predict how these answers are going to go, (laughs) aren't we? Sophie! Oh, no, you can't come to me first with this question. All right. First of all, I'm going to go with, I understand completely that Parma Grey is more of a blue. It's a bluey grey. I mean, it's it's more blue than grey, but it's, you know, it's not the most colourful colour drenching you could have done. So... I would say, and I know Sophie's just sort of having to have a little lie down under the desk and, you know, 
wobble her braces back into place at the thought of this as to whether you can pair back any further. I think what you have to do, Sarah, is this is the moment where you have to take a moment to have a conversation with yourself. I am sure it looks fabulous with the colour drenching. It will make the room look bigger. It will make it look calmer. It will blur the edges. So you have got a fabulous starting point. And you can, if Sophie's unable to speak at this point, I'm going to, you know, talk for her. You can go either way. The joy about the bluey grey colour you've chosen is that it will be friends with every other colour on the spectrum. So you could absolutely bring in some really strong greens or pinks or oranges or reds or yellows. I'm going to say you wouldn't bring in all of those. Sophie's going to say you should have some pattern curtains that include all those colours, possibly on a bluey grey background. So you absolutely can go. Oh, cup of tea. For anyone who had that thud, that was cup of tea delivery. I haven't had a cup of tea in 30 years. That's a cup of coffee. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, listen to you. I am speaking with design thoughts. So I am going to say, have a think to yourself. My thoughts would be, because I like tonal colour, that I might stick with the bluey grey, but make it much, much darker. So perhaps you could go to navy blues or bring in a stripe or a pattern. I would keep that as the base colour, play with the tones and maybe bring in an accent colour. And I think at this point I may have enraged Sophie so much that she's ready to make an opinion. I concur with all of that great bit of advice. Well, Sarah's also sent us a picture, which is a little snapshot of her bedroom, which shows the said Palmer Grey. And her headboard is a lovely kind of warm oak with a, with a rattan sort of design. And then she's got a brass lamp and a kind of like orangey cushion on the bed. And I'm thinking already that's quite a pleasing palette with the grey, isn't it? Yes, it's lovely. Warm. That bluey grey with terracotta is, mm. is really nice. So I yeah. think, you know, continue to continue to experiment, Sarah, really is what we're saying. You know, adding in those warmer oranges, brasses, warm woods, I'm finding really pleasing. And, it's, and, it, and it will warm up the blues and they complement each other beautifully sort of cool blues and then some warmer woods and warm metallics is actually a really nice combination so I'd continue playing with what you've got and as Kate was saying just slowly add bits of colour and pattern and see how you feel just keep checking in with yourself because I think as we've always said on this podcast decorating is it's a slow it's a go slow process so take your time you've got a really good foundation you talk about liking quite understated classic interiors i'm not here to bully you to become you know you're not going to be unleashing your inner maximalist oh, she's not well take advantage of this she's clearly you're not, not well. <laughs> you're not you're just not going to be coming to my colorful side sara so i'm not even going to try i think you know what you like don't feel that you have to prove anything and you say you like a touch of modern and playful well i'd focus on that i'm focused on that because the palmer gray is quite a serious color so um just just look for opportunities to have a bit of fun i just want to add something quickly for anyone who has got those sort of cooler shades of bluey grey or grey. And this bears repeating for anybody who's listened to earlier episodes. These colours are very, very affected by the orientation of the room. So if you put a cool bluey grey in a north-facing room, it will look colder. If you put a warmer grey in a south-facing room, it will turn towards the beige. But the good news for that is that grey is very, very easily influenced. And so by adding 
terracottas, warm pink, soft oranges, earth colours to a cooler blue-grey, you can warm it up. And by adding cooler colours, so sort of sagier greens or cooler greens to a warmer grey in a south-facing room, you can cool it down. So don't panic about your bluey grey. You can always dial it up or tone it down. There we go. I hope that helps, Sarah. As I say, I don't think there were any surprises there as to how we both reacted. Now, let's hear from Mark in France. As one of your regular male listeners to the podcast, I am turning to you for help. My smallest bedroom in my B&B is a lovely cute room, but I'm stuck on storage. It has a lovely king-size bed and space for wall-mounted bedside tables. However, the wall opposite the bed has to accommodate hanging space for guest clothes, usually three or four days on average, as well as floor space for a couple of cabin-sized suitcases, and it needs somewhere to put their stuff when they travel. I want the room to be as spacious as possible, but it's a small room, west-facing, and the window is not huge. Any words of wisdom in terms of colour, storage and curtains, anything would be so appreciated. Oh, and by the way, this one's for you, Sophie. I love bold colours, so I'm going to repaint the room this winter and thinking green or yellow. Thanks so much. And if anybody's interested, it's Mark at Maison Belmont in Imey, E-Y-M-E-T, in the Dordogne in France. Right, so tiny room, bold colours got to do a lot of work. Oh, I love a tiny bedroom because they're little jewel boxes. And I think that's exactly how you should treat it, Mark. I just think big, I mean, I have a big bedroom myself, but they can be quite... Your bedroom's yeah, the size no, of a field. It's massive. It's, this is classic. We all want what but we can't they're have. they're overrated, in my opinion. A little cosy nook of a bedroom, especially when it comes to decoration, because it's going to be no surprise to you, Mark, but I'm going to tell you to go all out. Now, you've sent us a few photos and indeed where the bed is is really really narrow I mean you're talking like I don't know what is that 20 centimeters each side of the bed just enough to sort of so hence wall mounted bedside tables yeah and you've already you've got a feature wallpaper on there already and the rest of the rooms at the moment are kind of like a cocoa brown color uh, with some nice French framed French posters on the walls gorgeous so what I would want to do with that room already you're talking about decorating it uh this winter I go for wallpaper all the way around Mark I think you should just swathe this in pattern and one of the reasons why I love wallpaper so much in small bedrooms is it helps elevate them you know it helps make them feel even more special and the other thing I think pattern can do is just create a lot of interest so you you talk about this room doesn't look like it's got a lot of architectural detail you talk about it having quite a small window you don't mention the view but it's clearly not something that's perhaps even worth mentioning so make the interior of the space really sing so I do do you know what I do? I do pattern wallpaper. I'd match the pattern to the blind. So the blind kind of disappears. That will help create a, a bigger feeling of space. Yeah, just just pattern drench it. We've done colour drenching. What are you doing with the ceiling? Well, you could wallpaper that too, couldn't you? What would you yeah. do with the ceiling? So you need an abstract pattern mm-hmm. or a stripe. Well, stripes, I think if you're doing walls and ceiling, is going to get complicated. So if you're doing that where you've got different angles and different planes, you're going to need an abstract pattern because otherwise you'll end up with your flowers growing upside down or birds, you know, with their feet in the air. I'm going to just add to that on less on the deck or more on the practical. If people are storing suitcases and they really need to be in that room. I wonder whether you need ultimately to have a slightly higher bed or a bed with legs, doesn't have to be a ridiculously high bed, so that suitcases can slide underneath it. 
in terms of storage, you don't need a cupboard. In fact, I'm not sure you've even got room for one. But I know, Sophie, you did this when you had your B&B to let in Brighton. Just have a row of really pretty hooks or shaker pegs on the wall and get some really great, you know, uh, hangers. You can get them pink hangers or green hangers, coloured hangers, or even maybe, you know, you're in France, the home of the brocante. Can you find some sort of vintage hangers hanging around so that they look slightly decorative, but people can absolutely hang three or four days worth of clothes on there. I sourced a hanging rack which was hooks below with a shelf above you know a bit like a train yes those are a really good idea based on that kind of idea so that just even if you wanted to throw a bag or something above the hooks it was just another way of getting things off the floor so shelves hooks and shelves are going to be your friends in a room like this and the other thing I would say that can also work again for guests of three or four days if you haven't got drawers and they want to unpack a suitcase if you get a shelf with hooks but quite big hooks you can hang a basket on it and people can put their socks and pants in there and then hang their clothes next to it so that just gives them a bit more space or perhaps a tiny little basket under your wall mounted bedside table so that people have just got somewhere then they can put their suitcase up on the shelf out of sight out of mind let us know what wallpaper you choose mm. when you get there we are interested to see got a really nice collection mark of wallpapers that are <laughs> <laughs> moving on sophie's never mentioned her wallpaper collection before oh, i just think they could be perfect moving on to things we haven't heard of before and this is a voice note from natasha with a dilemma i don't think we've had before and that is how to zhuzh up the exterior of your house Hi, Kate and Sophie. I am currently looking for my first home and I wanted to get your thoughts on pimping the exterior of a home. I've sent in a picture as a good example of something I might see and I wonder how you could take a house from looking ordinary to charming. You know, would you think about swapping out the windows first or is it the roof? Would you put a wash over the bricks or would it come down to botanics? I would love to hear your thoughts on the quick wins and maybe the more extensive wins when you're wanting to bring something special to the outside of a home. Thanks. Now, this is interesting, isn't it? The old curb appeal question. And it's one that's often overlooked, but given that many of us, in the UK at least, make up our minds about a house in less than 60 seconds, it is something you can't afford to ignore. Now, I'm just going to say before we get into this, Natasha, do not spend money on replacing the roof unless it's got a hole in it and it needs replacing. But Sophie... You've done some work on the outside of your house. I mean, not that it can be seen from the curb, but... Yeah, no, it was really important for me to to sort out the outside of my house because I thought it was so ugly. So we've got a sort of late Victorian, quite humble sort of farmhouse cottage type affair. Uh, And it's a bit of a a hodgepodge. It's been added on to over the years, a bit of a 1980s extension. So it had some good bits and some bad bits. The good bits were the tiles, the tile-hung exterior. So for anyone who doesn't know what Sussex tile-hung, which is very typical of the area where I live, it's where part of the walls, usually the top half, is clad in tiles. So tiles ordinarily go on the roof, while these actually flow down the walls as well. Then uh, we had some really horrific, whippy, Tuscan-styly... Uh, render. What do you mean whippy? What is this technical term, whippy render? Because it's not flat. 
Someone's had a bit of a. Ha, ha, someone's had a. Oh, I don't go. A bit of a swirl, like rag rolling yeah, render, as opposed yeah, to paint. It was very, very popular in the 1980s, I think, when this house was um, went through a big renovation. Yeah, it's supposed to make it look. It's it just looks really like faux rustic, basically. So we had whippy render, plastic UPVC windows. So I really wanted to get rid of those. So first of all, we got rid of the the render. Uh, which was really expensive. I mean, this is the problem with houses and exteriors. It's a lot of money. Um, But we just, uh, actually, the bit that got it over the line for me, because, you know, I'm always on a battle with Tom because he basically doesn't care whether something looks ugly. He just cares whether it works. He's not really very aesthetic. And when he discovered that the render had actually blown, so therefore was letting moisture into the walls, that's when he was like, okay, yeah, we've got to replace this now. And I was like, oh, really? Gee whiz, thanks. And then as I've talked about extensively on the podcast before, but, you know, we're getting new listeners all the time, so we'll go over it again. I painted my plastic windows with a all-surface primer, which is suitable for plastic windows. And then I painted them a really lovely dark colour. And it's completely transformed the outside of the house. And I think elevated it what I would say is be really careful of faking it so you know as our previous owners in the 1980s tried to make this house look more rustic with you know whippy render I think that can be that can be dodgy so don't go putting like I don't know Victorian architectural finishes on your 1960s bungalow you know you've got to keep everything in the kind of like the proper vernacular of the building basically and the, and the time it was built and the street it's in and the area it's in so you've got to do a little bit of research. There's a few things I would say about the outside I mean my last house was bricks it was London stock it was a very nice colour of brick and we never painted it the house I've moved to is a much less attractive red brick and it has been painted. But what happens if you paint over bricks because you don't like them? I mean, the statement of the bleeding obvious for sure, you will have to maintain that paint. And for example, we have installed a burglar alarm and the before we moved in, there was a fake burglar alarm. So that had to come off and the new burglar alarm mounted on the outside is not in the same place so immediately you can see there's a patch that needs painting and the paint is chipping off so if you are going to paint the outside of your house you need to be aware that every few years you're going to have to touch it up and repaint it also in terms of growing things up the outside of the house cautionary tale here a friend of mine had wisteria beautiful growing up the front of her house it has climbed all over her victorian bay window and is pulling it down and she's now got subsidence obviously ivy can get into the cracks in buildings and pull them down so you know i love the idea of a rambling rose climbing over my front garden which is a very chocolate boxy country cottage look but uh the mad husband is less keen because they do have thorns on but if you're going to grow something up the house you need to have it on a trellis not sort of attaching itself to the brickwork and again it's maintenance you will have to prune it away from the windows do you know i planted a couple of roses last summer oh my goodness they've been rampant i am cutting those things back all the time i had no idea i think that's really pretty isn't Mm. it but so i would say to natasha you know obviously when it comes to living in it the inside of the house is going to matter more there are things you can do to improve the outside but they may involve maintenance i would say having your windows in good condition you can paint your windows in a really fun color paint your windows in a fun color your what? window frames well you could what have you know people have like? pink front doors well oh, i don't know pink See, front look doors. at this this is me being cautious i think you can paint your door a fun color but i'd be careful to paint your windows a fun color well maybe you don't want to do ne- neon pink but you they don't have to be white is what i'm saying 
you could do them green. We had a house opposite us which had dark green windows and a dark green front door. And then you could have window boxes to sort of zhuzh up the outside, which is much less you know, that's not going to damage your brickwork. And also, you go a long way with curb appeal to just having it maintained. You know, don't have a broken fridge in the front garden and a, and a whole load of recycling. Create somewhere perhaps to hide the bins if you live on a street. Oh, do you know what? I've just had a log store built outside my front door. It is giving me untold joy. Honestly, I am so middle-aged the way I get my <laughs> thrills these days. It's absolutely ridiculous so we had outside our front door we've just got a little area of hard standing and the logs when we order logs for our wood burner arrive in a big builder's sack like a huge thing and we drag them and put them on this bit of hard standing and then put loads of tarp and bricks to weigh the tarp down and they live in there but it's basically like a giant plastic lump outside the front door again doesn't bother the builder husband it's like it's perfectly fine the logs are dry and it really bothers me so i finally got hugh our brilliant carpenter around to build me a log store i can't stop looking at it every day i absolutely love it because it means when i turn up to my front door it just all looks neat and tidy and up and together yeah and i think natasha in short that's where we get to it's difficult to change the outside of your house but you can do things with planting and log storage and maintenance that will make it look cared for and will look nice. So good luck with that, Natasha. So next we have a question from Katie. And well, while it's not my favourite topic and well, Kate's actually banned it, I do think it's a valid question for many listeners. So for that reason, Kate, read out the question. I'm going to read it because we're going to protect your voice, Sophie. So this is from Katie. I love your podcast. Hooray! I have been listening for around a year and a half and really enjoyed binging through your excellent design ideas, advice and funny chats or sometimes debates. I think that should be an inverted commas, Katie. (laughs) Your podcast has been really helpful when thinking about how to redesign, decorate our 1920s semi. We worked with a local kitchen designer to create a kitchen with a peninsula island kitchen. That, for anyone who doesn't know, is an island that's attached at one end, hence peninsula rather than full island. And they brought in excellent builders who opened up the space, which has flooded our dining room with light. The green kitchen is going in and looks amazing. I could not be happier. The last thing to choose in terms of decoration is a white paint to use throughout the open plan kitchen, which is south facing, the front room, which is north facing and the dining room space, which connects the two. We then plan to add colour with furniture, prints and soft furnishings. I want the white to complement the green kitchen and be soft, but not yellow or creamy and not too cold. I can't stretch to Farrow and Ball prices, unfortunately, but have been looking at Dulux and the samples she talks about there are timeless white mist and rock salt. And I'm going to say there's a clue in the name there. Sophie, (laughs) you, you have white paint. Talk about it. I have no white paint in my entire house. No white at all. You've got some, you do, you have off-white. I've got cream, yeah, but no white. She's talking about white. Well, no, because nobody has white white. You do? Oh, I do, don't I? I do in my hallway. You I've don't. got white with my, yeah, okay, yeah, I've got some whites. I've got quite a bit of whites. Anyway, I feel you, Katie. I find white the hardest colour to pick. It is an absolute nightmare. And like you've already pointed out, there are absolutely millions of whites. Now, I want um, anyone who works for Farron Ball to close their ears now. Uh, because what I would say is Farron Ball do the best whites, in my opinion. I don't often use their colours for anything else. They're all a bit too dirty for me. I prefer a clean 
seen a brighter paint color but their whites are brilliant and they do a white for absolutely everything so while you might not ultimately end up being a customer of brown ball i would look at the whites that they have on offer and indeed on their website they're really good at pairing whites with other colors so what i'd be tempted to do like you've got a really lovely kind of gray sage green kitchen cabinet going on so i've just grabbed my framble paint chart and your kitchen's looking between a sort of lichen card room green type color so quite a quite a lovely soft gray green although i am looking at a photograph so this might be different but i grab myself framble paint chart and then i'd look on their website and they'll tell you what whites Go with those colours. They're really brilliant, Framble, for helping people match whites. I, ca I can't say that enough. But you might then need to go to your Dulux or Johnson's or whoever and find something close to that. So that would be my... That's, basically, Katie, I'm giving you my trade secret. That's what I'd be doing if I was in your shoes. I would add to that. I think that's really good advice from Sophie. There is another thing, and I said that the clues in the name, I mean, not so much with Timeless, but White Mist and Rock Salt, those speak to me of quite cold things. So they will be whites that are a bit cooler. You can, you know, if you're going to, to Dulux or one of the big trade companies, you know, there's quite often a clue in the name and you want to be looking, if you want a warmer one, you know, milk, ecru, linen, as opposed to cloud or gauze or, or salt. That can often be a clue for where you're going. Now, when it comes to the yellow and creamy, what you will learn from the Farron Ball chart is that their whites might have a red base or a yellow base or a green base, and that will affect the warmth or the coolness of the colour. And the one thing you may have is that you are asking that white to do a lot of work. It's got to go in a south-facing room where that golden warm light is going to make it yellower. But it's going in a north-facing room where that cool blue light is going to cool it down. And then who knows what will happen to it in the middle in the dining room. So I think you want to go for something quite pale and as neutral as you possibly can. You know, linen might be too brown, I was going to say milk. Milk might be too creamy. Have a look, but I think you're going to have to try it. But those names, White Mist and Rock Salt, might be quite cool. So test them in the northern end. They'll be fine in the southern end. I've been doing a bit of digging while you've been uh, chatting. And actually, Farron Ball put shaded white with this sort of shade of green, which they say is a stony neutral. You know, it's got it's got a kind of stony brownie taupe. It's a taupey. It's a taupey white. Without being yellow. So that'll be... There's Without being yellow. Exactly. And it's a very mid-tone white. It's not too grey. It's not too warm and yellow. It sort of sits in the middle. So I'd look at your stony neutrals. There you go. Now, usually we'd only have one more question, but you know, because it's Christmas, we're feeling generous. <laughs> I think we can squeeze in two more small ones. So first up, it's Annie with a question about her stair carpet. Shall I read that again to protect your voice? Oh, yes, please do. Well, you're like an opera singer. It's like working with Maria Callas. <laughs> <laughs> or not quite. Or maybe it is. She was quite a diva. Let's, let's move on. This is Annie's question about her stair carpet. I love your podcast. It is the perfect thing to listen to whilst I am redecorating my whole house after the builders wrecked it during our extension and loft conversion. Oh, dear. My question is about stair carpet. I have painted the hall stairs and landing in Whirlybird from Farrow and Ball. I did it all myself. Well done, Annie. Three floors and a new banister, a mammoth effort. It is a very bright, uplifting, welcoming green. 
I now need to choose a stair carpet and I am stumped. What colour should I go for? I always fancied a geometric or a stripe or something like that. It does need to be hard wearing as I have young kids. Well, I've got a stair runner, a Roger Oates stair runner, which I'm not going to lie, was it is quite the investment piece. It's not the cheapest option. But what is it now? Five, six years in? It's still looking really good. And we are... We're a bit of a slovenly house, I'm not going to lie. I'd love to, you know, we started off with all the shoes off intentions, but I haven't been able to. Well, actually, Arthur's quite good, but I haven't been able to train my husband. And quite often I see a muddy builder's boot running up and down the stairs if he's left something in the bedroom. So I'm really happy with my investment. I think it's done really, really well. It's really hard wearing. It's held the colour. It cleans well. So I am a fan of a wool stair runner i think if you're going to be in your house in the long term it can be great investment now i got mine from roger Oates. they do amazing colors bright colors stripes the other brand that does really quite the jazzy stair runner is sophie cooney c-o-o-n-e-y kate and i do you remember we saw her stand at decorex yes. we were we were quite breathless um she does really kind of like bold geometric patterns so if you want to like break out of the plain runner or the stripe runner which are you know quite tried and tested and go for something with a bit more jazzy jazzy geometric then do check out her stair runners. I think, oh, they're absolutely gorgeous. And a bit of pattern as well is always quite forgiving. I was just going to come in there uh, because, yes, you can have a plain colour. And, you know, again, you can just pick something that goes with the green. You could edge it if you wanted in, if it was a contrasting colour, like a pink or an orange or a yellow, you could edge it in a green that sort of tones with the whirly bird to bring it together. You may not need that if you've painted the banister in your green already. I would say that a pattern is a really good idea on a stairs because it does hide a multitude of sins. And I had, Sophie had the Roger Oates. She's got the plain pink that contrasts with her cobalt blue walls, but she's got a patterned tile below that. So there is, you know, there's this kind of whole scheme going on there. I have plain walls and a plain four in my last house and I had a spotty carpet because I didn't want to go stripes or geometric from alternative flooring which was their spotty carpet and I had it in damson and cream and I had that for 10 years and I have to say it looked as good on the day I moved out as as when we laid it wool is really good it's hard wearing it's also naturally fire retardant which I kind of like and it will absorb noise on the stairs which is really key I'm just going to give a little plug to the work I did with alternative flooring because I have just designed a carpet with them which can also work as a stair runner and it's in their quirky bloom range and it is a series of geometric kind of daisies which come tumbling down the stairs in different sizes and different colours. It's cream flowers on backgrounds of kind of golden yellow, sagey green, navy blue, chocolate. So you can look at that. I'm just saying. (laughs) But to move on from that, what I would say is the stair carpet, don't underestimate the importance of that. It is about traffic and something practical, but it is also in most cases, the first thing you see when you come into a house, it's the spine of the house. So really pick something that is a colour that that you know lifts your soul that makes you happy or a pattern because you know you're going to see that when you come in you're going to see it when you come downstairs in the morning you want something really joyful I yeah absolutely agree and I think yeah you you're already speaking from a place of joy you've created this lovely bright uplifting welcoming space I love the fact you're so proud of all your hard work and DIY efforts 
I think, yeah, check out Alternative Flooring, Sophie Cooney and Roger Oates and treat yourself to something splendid and fabulous running up the stairs. You won't regret it. There we go. And finally, a question of privacy from Claire. Shall I read this last one out? Shall I just use up the last of my voice? Go on then. I wonder if you can help me with my window dressing dilemma. I live in a village, but on a road with really high footfall, that's lots of people walking past, and near my kids' school. As a result, when I am in the living room, all friends can currently see right into the room and wave. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) While this is lovely, we really need some privacy. The window is a big bay and the house is a small cottage. I would have liked Roman blinds, but I think given the size of the windows, I would lose a lot of light as the fittings would cover the top 25% of the window. Plus, it would not address the privacy issue. But that would be my ideal look. I love shutters, but it's not really the look I wanted and the same goes for slatted blinds. I wondered about linen cafe curtains, but on their own, they wouldn't be very cosy in the winter. We want to put a small sofa in the bay, so a curtain in front on the bay isn't an option. Help. Okay, this is me. Although, no, I don't live in a village with really high footfall, but I live in a... And you don't have any, you don't have any friends waving through the window. I don't have any, fr- I don't have any friends. <laughs> no one waves. However, I do live very near a school. I live on a road with very high footfall and it's near a school. So I absolutely get that. While nobody's waving, they can pretty much look in. So we have gone for the cafe curtain option, Claire, but I I made them. You don't have to. But what I was trying to be thrifty and I had some leftover quite heavy linen from a sofa I'd reupholstered. And I was because I was trying to be thrifty, I thought rather than buy sort of light muslin voile for my cafe curtains... I would use up this linen. So the net result is that is kind of cosier. It doesn't stop any light coming through because all the light comes from the top, but they are completely private without blocking the light. And then over the top or, you know, from curtain rods in the traditional place, I hung some linen curtains, kind of dress curtains, really. But they just add a bit more sort of texture to the sides of the windows and I can close them in the winter or in the evening and they're a really warm kind of conquery colour so they that brings the cosiness even though they are very thin linen curtains and arguably the cafe curtains are thicker so I think that is your option because the other point I would make about a bay window that might be really expensive to put curtains in because bay window curtain poles can be really tricky can't they so what you can do is what I did in my last house, less busy road further away from the school, still on a London street. We had cafe curtains in the bottom half and then we did have Roman blinds at the top, but we hung them right up close to the ceiling so that it didn't cut. I don't think you need to cut 25% of the light. No, you you shouldn't be losing a quarter of your window with blinds for sure. And if you get somebody to make them, you can talk about getting them, yeah, you know, not necessarily hanging from the top lip, like you've said, or, or just get them really neatly tailored so they pull all the way up. And you talk about having a big, a big bay. You should still let, you know, be letting enough light in, I'd argue. And the thing, the point about having Roman blinds then is because when you have curtains in a bay window, you've got to have room to pull them back round the sides. Otherwise, they're cutting the light from the two angled side windows. Not everybody has room at the sides to pull curtains all the way back because you might have to have furniture there or there may not be enough wall, depending on how much wall to bay window you've got. Obviously, a Roman blind then, you can have a big one in the middle, two smaller ones on the side, and then you've got the option of, you know, if you have one side of the window that 
that people are waving in and they're not so much from the other. You can, you've got options in how you pull them up and down. So I think a cafe curtain and either a very thin linen dress curtain like I've done or a cafe curtain and a Roman blind that pulls all the way up. Yeah, and that, and all that fabric as well is a lot cosier than shutters in my view. Yeah. And interlined Roman blinds as well, so they feel all padded and cosy and yummy. There we go. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. I've managed to keep my braces in. I managed to keep my voice. That was almost a triumph of an episode. We snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, or is it the other way around? Only just. (laughs) But before we go, I'd just like to remind you once more about our great Indoors Insiders Club, where your star dilemmas will always get priority treatment on our monthly star surgery. You can also receive our weekly newsletter, which is bursting at the seams with additional design tips. We do some great buys in there. We include all the links to anything we've mentioned in the show. So you can get all that additional bonus content by visiting thegreatindoorspodcast.com and simply signing up. And we'll be back next week with Sniff Sniff, the last pod of 2023 so make sure you tune into that one all that remains is to thank our producer sarah cudden of feast collective and we'll see you in the great indoors 